There we go. Sorry about that. All right. Second verse, same as the first. <laughs> um, well, good to see everybody here this morning. Glad that you're a part of the worship this morning. Um, I want to talk about Jesus having all authority. Um, yesterday, we talked all day about this word. This word is called enthusiasm. And when you think about enthusiasm, it's that energy and passion behind what you do. It's what helps you to fulfill goals. Uh, when, you, when we studied last week, we saw Jesus come down from the high mountain up off in Matthew 17 of the Transfiguration. And this week, we're going to see Jesus' authority as his ministry continues to grow. And as the crowds continue to grow and follow him, we're going to see his authority grow and grow. And we really see him come into his own. Um, it's interesting because we read that in Matthew that Jesus had all authority on heaven and earth given to him. And I, and I believe that. I believe Jesus has all authority, and if he says something, we ought to do it. And if, and if that's not enough, we notice that in Scripture that his word also has authority. Remember when they come down on the mountain, and this is the Mount, uh, Sermon on the Mount. You see Jesus uh, talking to people, and they were amazed because he was teaching as one who had authority, not as the scribes. The scribes were the lawyers. And apparently they were the people who would know the Old Testament law, and yet Jesus taught as one who was even greater than that, someone who really spoke, with, who really knew what they were doing. And the word for that in the Greek you see in Mark one twenty two is exousia. You see this many times in Scripture. The example in Mark is just one of many. And you see this... Uh, this internal validity, this power that comes from within. It is the power to influence, the power to say what is. It's, the, it's something that you see frequently used in Scripture to describe Jesus Christ. It's an amazing thing to think about. So you have Jesus, you have his word, and then the, the third thing that you notice about Jesus is you have the miracles. When you look at the miracles of Jesus, remember in John 3, 2, this is early on in Jesus' ministry, you see that the followers come after Jesus and they say, Wow, nobody could do what he did except they be from God. And so you see that in Scripture. And his miracles, when you go back and you ask yourself, you know, who gave Jesus this authority? Well, according to John 3, 2, God gave Jesus this authority. And remember in Luke chapter 11, just for example, where Satan is, where, where Jesus is being accused of doing all of his works according to Satan, right? Beelzebub. And Jesus says, if I do these things according to, to Beelzebub, then it's a house divided, and a house divided against itself will not stand. And here's what he says in Luke eleven twenty: but if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come to you. And remember, when Jesus started his ministry, he started it with the words, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And of course, it came to fruition in Acts chapter 2, when Jesus was ascended, and that Peter gave that great first sermon. And so I want to look at two examples today. And we'll read the scriptures up here on the wall, so you'll be able to follow along easily. And the idea is, uh, I want to show and compare out of these two stories and see what is it that we can, we can understand about Jesus' authority so that we can be empowered ourselves to go out and carry out the mission that Christ gave us? Because I believe that, that Christ wants us to be bold for him. So if you look in Scripture, this is in the book of Matthew, and you can see in Matthew 8, 5 through 8, there's several um, parts to this, 
that we'll read through, but I want to I want to start right here in verse 5. When Jesus was in Capernaum, a centurion came to him, imploring him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, fearfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I'll come to you and heal him. But the centurion said, Lord, I'm not, I'm not worthy for you to come into my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. You can see in scripture there that, that this, this man uh, recognized the authority of Jesus. Notice what he says there in verse 9. For I also am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to the other, come, and he comes, and to my slave, do this, and he does it. Now when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who were following, Truly I say to you, I have not found such great faith in anyone in Israel. Powerful, powerful accusation there. I say to you that many will come from the east and west and recline at the table of Abraham with Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, but the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness in the place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then Jesus said to the centurion, Go, and it will be done for you. And, and as you have believed, and the servant was healed at that very moment. So you see in Scripture this story of the centurion. And this story is the healing of his servant. And you have to recognize something. Jesus was a, was a, a Jew, and he was part of all of that history there with Judaism. And yet, he took the time to reach out to a Gentile, and not only uh, just any Gentile, but to a Roman centurion soldier who would have led a pretty rough life. And at the time, you have to remember that there was a lot of division politically. You know, the Jews hated the Samaritans, and they all everybody that was of Jewish background hated the, the Gentiles. And so there was, uh, there was a huge... Huge step forward when Jesus kind of breaks that barrier down and says, I'll, I'll take care of who will come to me in faith. And so it doesn't matter what your background is. Come to me in faith and I will, I will take care of this. So what you notice about the centurion is that he had faith. In Acts chapter 10, you see the same example. You see Peter being sent to Joppa. And he goes to that centurion who was known as a man of great faith and prayer. So you see in the scripture here, in our particular passage, um, you know, so he sends um, the other account in the, go- the gospel. There's three different uh, accounts in the synoptic gospels, and in the other one, he actually the centurion doesn't come, but he sends a delegation of his of Jews and a delegation of friends to go after him. And in that process, you have to recognize something that our faith needs to be bigger than our fear. This centurion must have loved that young servant. And love him in such a way that he really truly wanted to see him healed. And the Jews that talked about him to Jesus said he was a good man. That he, he was a man that even built them a synagogue. And he was known to take to pay alms. He was known to take care of the different Jews. And what you see there in scripture, uh, we know, you know, the, the Jews said, we know you have the power to heal. His friends, when, they, when the, the centurion sees them far off and sends them out there, to to meet with him. They say, we know you've got power. Our centurion is a man that had about a hundred men under him. You're a man with men under you. So just speak. Our centurion sends us out just at his command. You just say it and it'll be done. We trust in your words. And of course, you know from scripture that at that very hour, at the words that Jesus spoke, that man, that young servant was healed. 
Um, so it's interesting because Jesus had authority even when not being in the presence of that individual. So I hope that encourages our faith. Now when we think about a second story, and then we'll come back and compare these two. You have this young boy in Mark chapter 9. He, this is the demon-possessed boy. And then you remember that this is right after, in Mark chapter 9 and Matthew 17 and, and in Luke as well, Jesus is coming down off that high mountain. And as they come down off, off that high mountain, the next day, they're down there at the foot of that mountain, and there's a crowd there waiting for Jesus. And I think that they were waiting for many things. For example, I think they were waiting for the people to come uh, to be, so that they could be healed. Or sometimes they came because they wanted to be fed. Sometimes they came because they wanted to listen to the teachings. Other people marveled at the news that they heard from their friend, and they wanted to come to see for themselves what was going on. So you see here in this particular instance in Scripture, read with me in the Bible. In Mark chapter 9, we'll start down in verse 14. When they came back, the disciples, they, they saw this big crowd and some scribes arguing with them. So the, the crowd was actually the disciples. And part of that crowd was the scribes who were arguing. And the reason they were arguing, when, they, when, when, they, when the entire crowd saw Jesus, they were amazed and they ran to meet him. And he asks, he says, what are you talking about? What are you discussing? And then at that um, discussion point, the crowd answers him, Teacher, I brought my son possessed with a spirit that makes him mute and it seizes him. It's, it seems like an epileptic seizure of some kind. It slams him to the ground. He foams to the mouth. He grinds his teeth, stiffens up. I told your disciples to cast it out, but they could not do it. So obviously the scribes were doubting the disciples. So Jesus answers and he accuses all of that group. He says, oh, unbelieving generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him to me. And they brought that boy out. And when he saw him, they were immediately, he, the, that spirit that was in him, that evil spirit, threw him to the ground. He's convulsing. He's, he, he, he's rolling around. He's foaming at the mouth. He's putting on a big display. And he asked, and he asked his father, well, how long has this been happening? And he says, from childhood, it's often thrown him both into the fire and the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, that's our camp verse, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible to him who believes. So to Jesus, this was not really a, a big task. And immediately the boy's father cries out and he says, well, I do believe, help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was rapidly gathering, he rebukes that clean, unclean spirit and says, You deaf, mute spirit, I command, come out of him, and do not enter him again. You see in Scripture here this, uh, this message. This message. And, and, and this young boy, of course, it looks like he's dead, but Jesus lifts him up. You see this message that comes through. If you can... But if you can, that's the dad's plea. That's the dad's plea. If you can. So the father reaches out. He shouts out to Jesus. In the Greek, it's almost like he's shouting a plea. Help us! But they, these disciples, lacked the faith while Jesus was up on the mountain to make it happen. Because they didn't believe. 
They didn't believe that Jesus could do it. Remember that miracles are a confirmation of faith. They're not a proving something so someone will have faith. And so in, in, his, in his angst, when Jesus calls this, these disciples and these scribes who are arguing this unbelieving and perverse generation, that's a pretty strong accusation to make of them. You see that Jesus is upset with their lack of faith. And so this man speaks, but if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Does Jesus want to take pity on and help people? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so now above that noise of the crowd, Jesus calls this man over. He listens to his story. In the Greek, sometimes uh, people will put, a, uh, in the English, a, a, uh, an exclamation point. Sometimes they put a question mark. Either way, it's an emphatic statement. Jesus is surprised that they don't have enough faith, and he's standing right there with him. And they were standing right there with him, and they should have known that Jesus was all-powerful. By, by now, he's early into his ministry, but enough of this news of the things that he has done and the things that he teaches has spread, there should be no question that Jesus was all-powerful. And so the disciples knew this. The disciples knew this. They'd been walking with him for a little while. They knew that he had the power over death. They knew that he had the power to heal. And yet they didn't have enough faith to move one measly little demon. Verse 23, if you can, the Greek emphatic there just tells you how surprised Jesus is. The missing component for the, that, that crowd was not the ability of Jesus to change things. It was their ability to trust that Jesus could change things and would. Do you believe that Jesus will forgive your sins if you repent of them? Absolutely. And when you think about this in Scripture... Jesus says it right after that. He says, yes, it is possible, right? All things are possible to him who believes. In Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. In John 16.23, the Bible says, In that day you will not question me about anything. Truly, truly, I say to you, if you ask for the Father for anything in my name, he will give it to you. And in Romans 8.31, what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who could be? against us. So you see in Scripture that with Jesus, the answer is yes. In 2 Corinthians, you'll see that. In Mark chapter 9, down in verse 24, immediately the father's, the boy's father cries out, I do believe, because in truth I believe he did actually trust that Jesus could. But he doubted at this particular moment, having gone through that experience of all the arguing, all the doubting scribes, and then not seeing the healing happen when it should have happened. And so certainly but his, his acknowledgement is where many of us are at. We pray to God and we don't always get the answer. We work and things don't always work out. The boy's father cries out, I do believe, but help my unbelief. Let me pause here for a second and show you the map up here on the wall. Because in Scripture, in Matthew 28, as we started, we are commanded to go. Go ye therefore to all nations, make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them everything that I have commanded you. And lo, I'll be with you unto the end of the age. 
Do you believe, with all the things that you read about in terms of mission work all over the world, that maybe one of the things that God wants us to do, that Jesus wants to see, is us do missions right here within the city of Phoenix? To look for people that are right next door to us that need to hear about the power of God to change people. I know the age of miracles has ended. We're not talking about that. We're talking about the power of God to, con to change a heart, to change a lifestyle, to break a, a sinful habit, a stronghold that's a danger to their soul. If God told us to go to tell people about his beautiful Son and the wonderful message of the gospel that brings all of that possibility to us, we should have the faith to believe that God is capable to accomplish His will, His mission on earth, through servants just like us. Can God use us? Absolutely. Our role is to go. Brethren, the age of miracles has ended, but that in no way takes away from the power of God. It in no way takes away from the awesome authority of Jesus. Brethren, it in no way lessens the command of Jesus. So let us let us let me ask you a question. Let us think about this for just a minute. And this is the question I'll leave you with. I won't, won't try to answer this. I want you to let it sink into your heart. Are we sinning when we are not carrying out the command to go? Is it a sin to not tell other people about Jesus Christ? And I know we don't need to roll our pearls before swine, and we need to be careful. There's certainly opportunity, and we need to search for those. But our, when we sit back and we think it's not our job, or are we sinning when we don't tell others about Jesus Christ? Brethren, our role is to go. And if we need anything, Scripture says that we should ask. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door will be opened. Luke 11, verse 9. We know from Scripture that God will empower, and Jesus said he will give. Lo, he would even be with all the way to the end of the age. Look at what he told the centurion. In Matthew chapter 8, verses 10 through 12, when Jesus heard this, he was astonished and said to those following him, I tell you the truth. I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. Here's the key. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown out into darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Notice what he said in Mark chapter 9. If you, if you can, well, all things are possible to him who believes. So we have the word as our authority. It's sharp. We have, we have Jesus' life as his example of a wonderful life well lived. We have his teachings. The word Jesus taught is sharp. The word pierces. The word reveals. The word is our authority. And the age-old battle of which came first, the chicken or the egg, the word was spoken first and written down by holy men of God for us to understand. Jesus spoke as one who had authority. And the Word of God, when we study that, when we study the words of Jesus and all of that that's in there in the New Testament, we find that we can produce a church. The Bible produces Christians which gather together and produce the church. Not the other way around. We build model kits by following the instructions for the model. 
We build Christians by reading the basic instructions before leaving the earth, which is the Bible. We go. We're given the Great Commission, which is for all people everywhere. That When Jesus said, go, we go. When Jesus says, do, we do. Never fear, only trust and obey, for there's no other way. In Romans 10, 17, we go out and we tell that message because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. And when we hear that word, we need to believe that word that speaks with Jesus' authority. Brethren, all things are possible. There are family members, there are friends, there are co-workers that can have their life changed. Read with me in Matthew 17, 19 and 20, and I'll close. The disciples came to Jesus. Why couldn't we drive this demon out? See, many people live lives that are externally influenced. Very few people have the internal authority to drive themselves forward and make their own success when it comes to their faith. And Jesus said, it says, because you have so little faith. I tell you the truth, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. So that's our challenge for the week. To go out, obeying Jesus' command, to believe that, yes, he can. To trust that whoever we talk to, whether it's someone that's outside of the faith or somebody that thinks they're saved that might be offended because they don't really know what the scriptures say, or whether it's somebody close to us. I believe when we ask in faith, it will be done. When we trust and pray to him, we teach that beautiful message and we share the beautiful life that he lived, people's hearts will be changed. We just need to go out there and